Well, good morning. Come on, you can do better than that. Good morning. Good morning. I know it's cold and icy out, but uh, we're here now and we made it. And it is a joy to be with you this, this beautiful Sunday morning. Thank you, Pastor Ryan, for kind words. And it's so, uh, such an honor to be with Crossroads and family. As we start this, this, this journey together today, I just pray that you will open your ears, open your Heart, that what is God saying in this series to you? What is God saying in this series through me and with me? And I pray that uh, our time together on such an icy Sunday morning would be worthy for, our t- for coming out today. Hear the word. I want to get right into the text. I want to get right into uh, the text for the morning. It's found in 1 John chapter 4, uh, verses 16 through 21. Again, that's 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. Hear hear the word of the Lord. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, Love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect fear or perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loves us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. That's pretty tough, isn't it? That's hard. If anyone loves God, yet hates his brother, and I'll go a little further and say his sister, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen, God cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray. Eternal and wise God who declares uh, just by your being the power of your love. We bow down, we take reverence in this hour, in this moment. And we just say, God, let all words that flow from this my mouth, God, be an invitation to not only serve you, but to serve one another. Help us to hear beyond uh, a reproach. Help us to go beyond uh, the first step. Help us to be and see and know and do all that the scriptures demand of us to love one another. 
Bless the reading and the writing and the proclamation of this word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. My wife and I have two daughters. My wife is Debbie, who's sitting right to my right. My wife and I have two adult daughters. And both of them have families of their own. When my girls were small, I gave them a memory verse to commit to memory. That memory verse was Psalms 56 and 3. You can see it there. It says in the King James Version, it says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Let me read that again. It's a simple verse, but it says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. I I read it from uh, the King James Version and being an older pastor, you you remember the King James Version is the real version. (laughs) But I wanted them each to hear that royal, uh, majestic sound of, uh, uh, of what time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. I wanted each of them to know in life there will be times of challenges, difficult situations, times when I may not be able uh, to be with them, times when as they move into their adulthood, Things may come their way, but I challenge them, even when you are afraid, when you are scared, when you are uneasy, as much as possible, remember God is with you. It was words that I wanted my daughters to to grow up with and to know that the God that their father preached about all of these years was a personal God who cared about them as well. This truth may help them see through painful situations as well as endure painful situations. Hmm. On this sixth and final sermon, a vibrant and vital love chooses nonviolence over violence. We encounter Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who not only was a scholar, not only was a leader in civil matters, but I like to think of Dr. King as a product of the church. So often we only imagine King as speaking his words around the I have a dream speech, but that is so small compared to the works that he has given to the world and and spoke of about matters that needed to be addressed. And one of them in particular is a sermon today that, that, is part of your series called An Antidote for Fear. When I was addressing this sermon, I told myself, 
Listen to, to John writing in 1 John, and there are two verses that stand out in that fourth chapter. And the verses of concentration this morning will be verses 17 and 18, where he talks about perfect love. Just as Dr. King spoke of fears in his day, we find ourselves facing similar fears today. Fears of getting sick, fears of dying, fear of being laid off, fear of outliving your retirement, fear of having nothing to retire on, fear of flunking out of school, fear of failure, fear of being brutalized or murdered just for being of a certain race or ethnicity. There are all kinds of fears around us. And maybe some of you came in here today with a fear of don't fall on the ice. <laughs> fears all around us. But King says, and, and I want to move in on that, fears fall primarily into two categories. Normal fears and obsessive fears. King calls these abnormal fears. You see, normal fears protect us. Abnormal fears paralyze us. Normal fears motivate us to improve our individual and collective welfare. Abnormal fear constantly poisons and distorts our inner lives. Those were King's words. Normal fears can portray itself as a child's fear of the dark. Let me make this confession while I'm here because it'll, it, we just got to get this out from under us. When I was a kid, I was petrified of the dark. Do I have any witnesses in here? Anybody? Yeah, I, I see. You. Tell the truth. Thank you. Thank you. I did not like nighttime. Because I knew I had to go to bed in my bedroom. And when I went to bed in my bedroom and they made us turn the lights off because my father was a stickler on paying for his electricity. <laughs> and he would say, turn the light out. I turned the light out and I, I, I can't swear because I'm in church, but, but I will tell you for those first 15, 20 minutes, I was in utter just fear. Because I could feel things moving in my room. I could hear the monster under the bed. I could see in the curtain something coming through the window. I was terrified of darkness. Somewhere along the line, God gave me favor. And I grew up and I didn't want to tell my wife about my fears, so I had to fight through it with her and now me and, me and darkness, we get along just fine. There are all sorts of fears. We can have a fear while walking in a dark, unfamiliar place, not being able to see, not being able to, to know the environment or the surroundings. There's a fear about our people going to make ends meet today. I talk to them often. 
There are those who have fears of losing a child or a spouse prematurely. These are normal fears. But it's the abnormal fears that express themselves to a danger that is imagined or is exaggerated. This is an abnormal fear. It's something that we imagine and then it is exaggerated. It, 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 it goes beyond the regular sphere or bounds. It becomes obsessive. This kind of fear often has its sights on a particular people group. This kind of fear that, that, that is imagined or exaggerated points to certain people often. And you are introduced to this abnormal fear by labels. These labels come like this, those people, them, outsiders, not from around here. You, you, you must not be from the great state of Colorado. I remember when I moved here early in the 88, I was with some colleagues at the, at the company and they started to complain about all the folk coming in from California. I didn't tell them I had just gotten here from Ohio. I didn't know if they hate Buckeyes as well as Californians, so I just kept it low. But the way they went into those people from California, that they're taking up all the space, they're buying up all the houses, and they are taking up all of the, making all the traffic. I just wanted to ask them, where did you come from? And I could hear some of them say, oh, I came from Montana. I came over from Nebraska. I came over from Wyoming. I go, well, if you could come in and like it here, can't anybody else come and like it here? They were clear that those outsiders, those other people, those people were undesirables. I tell you, Crossroads, this morning, the church must fight tooth and nail not to be associated or join in using language such as this with anyone. A friend of mine calls this type of language othering. Ryan just spoke to it as he presented the series that often we other people, we other them, we, we place them in a category outside of our own. Sorry to report, our politicians have used fear to garner votes for centuries. Many of us think this is a, a late uh, 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 invention. It isn't, not in human history here in America. No, we have often used fear to garner votes for a position in government. All they have to do is present a picture from a hated group and tell their constituents this person and others like them will terrorize your sons and daughters. If they are not elected, you and your family will go unprotected. Just listen to the language today. If either one of the main characters comes into office, the rest of us are doomed. My friends, we must... We must stop 
and see what is driving this. We live in a world now where states are fighting who can teach your children, what books you can read, what is your family makeup. We live in a world where now we automatically believe young men with baggy pants are murderers and thieves. Girls whose clothes are tight and revealing must be evil young ladies. But the church must be the church that says maybe the baggy pants and, 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 and the tight-fitting clothes is a cry. Does anybody see me? Maybe, just maybe, the baggy pants and the eyelashes and the, and the rouge and all this is someone's child trying to say, am I loved by more than just my peers? Then we have the fear where we're saying that people at the border are cutthroats and rapists. Hmm. I've never seen anybody at the border have to pay $83 million for their indiscretions. Abnormal fear presupposes that people in question are less than, lacking intelligence or undeserving of human respect or dignity. That's what we think about when we other somebody. But on the day of Pentecost, God's spirit was poured out on everybody. Y'all do remember that, don't you? On the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 and 5, it says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Others. And then in Acts 2 and 9, it begins to call them out by name. The Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. And others were listed in Acts as writing from Luke. It is in our differences we see the creativity and the artistic hand of God. Yeah. Yeah, you, 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 you need to applaud that. Aren't you happy everybody doesn't look like me this morning? <laughs> it's in our differences that God is able to declare the wonderment of every individual. Dr. Jeremiah Wright said it better when he said, different does not mean deficient. Hold that a minute. Just hold it a minute. Different does not mean that you are deficient. Different does not mean there's something lacking in you. Different does not mean because you are from this tribe that something is lacking in you. Different does not mean you are deficient. You must teach that to your children. They will go to our schools and to our communities and in their differences it makes them unique. Amen. Yeah. Some of our children are trying to be some of everything but what they truly are. And we have a world that's telling him, you must fit a certain peg. Nah, I thank God for my parents who 
when I grew up, my parents were constantly telling me, you can do what you call me or God calls you to do. It saddens me to report we have become such a cruel and violent nation, especially toward those who are different races and have different opinions. Our hatreds have borne our contempt with the othering manifested in our school shootings, our prayer meetings and synagogue massacres, our seniors shooting through the doors at children asking for help, shooting at innocent grocery people buying, are all filled by abnormal fear-based society. Let me tell you and wrap this thing up. Fear is not the answer for America's ills. Yes, some so-called Christians have hijacked the cross and done away with Jesus. I wish y'all would hear me today. Some people have hijacked the cross. The cross is a symbol of reconciliation. And the cross also screams from its tallest point about the power of love. We somehow have allowed people to tell us in, in, in their new Jesus, which are pistols and rifles and AK-47s, weapons of mass destruction and massive stockpiles of ammunition, that has become the new Jesus. I want you to know that is not the Jesus of peace, love, and kindness. We must wake up this morning. Their war, choir, their war choir has been saying the end is near and they must protect the commonwealth of America. But I want them to know that there is another voice screaming from Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For he says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God everlasting father and prince of peace my god we are not to go to sleep right now it's too late in the day we must wake up because this god this god this god is telling us if anyone says i love god yet hates his brother he's a liar for anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love god whom he has not seen because of God's great love. Believers. Believers ought to love one another. Jesus himself teaches us and tells us that we must move beyond violent to nonviolent. Jesus himself tells us the love of your enemy is the bedrock of Jesus being nonviolent. That person who did not grow up with you or go to school with you or learn with you or lived in your neighborhood, even though they may not have what you have, they are not your enemy. Our love language must be more than transactional, transactional language. If you love me the way I want you to love me, I return will love you back. But we now have a transaction that says, but if you hurt me, I may hurt you back. This is not the love 
of John in his first letter. This is not the love that King spoke about. He and John both spoke of a perfect love that casts out unwarranted fear. My sisters and brothers, because of God's great love, we ought to love one another. In verse 17, it says, in this world, we are like him. In this world, we need to resemble the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, not just on stage, but in our day-to-day lives. Those born of God are enabled to love God and keep his commandments by faith. Because love is the essential defining characteristics of God. This kind of love is the love that King was saying was the antidote. This kind of love that the believer shows is perfect love. God's love which has reached its perfection or goal in loving others. Believers show God's love by concrete acts of service which meet real human needs. Just as Jesus showed God's love by laying down his life for the world. What is the antidote for fear? It is perfect love. Not a, not a precept of is it love that has no no bars, no challenges, no, no, what what has to be such a, in such a way that all that you ever know of me is I'm loving you. No, it's the kind of love that says, I see you and I choose to stand with you. Let, let, Let me close with this illustration. This week I went to Walmart. You know, the national store. <laughs> I went to Walmart this, this week, this, this week, as I normally make a, ru- a routine drive over to Walmart at least once a day, or once, yeah, about once a day, maybe sometimes twice a day, depends on what Debbie tells me to go get. <laughs> but this time I was driving up to Walmart, and just as I was pulling into Walmart, two little boys come out the door. Maybe at the most they were 10 years old. But there was something about them that just made me pay attention because at 10 years old and about this high, they had their arms around each other's necks. And they were walking uh, out and uh, as they came out of the store, they walked into the middle of the traffic. You know, and I, I kept saying, please get out of the way. Hopefully they'll be all right. But they, 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 they got into the traffic lane that was coming in, and there was a car in between me and the two little boys. And their arms were around each other's neck, and they was giggling together. You ever seen kids giggle? These little fellas was giggling like there was no, no problem in the world. They were just in love with being together. And they were walking in the middle of the street, in the middle of the little lane there at Walmart. The lady in front of me started to get a little anxious. And I could see her, you know, she didn't blow the horn, but I could see through the glass that she was telling them, get, get going, come on, 
Go. It didn't bother the little boys. They just kept walking. I, I even wondered, I'm going, why, why are you in the middle of the street? And they walked past two aisles, two car lanes. And finally they got to the second lane and they walked, turned down it. And I saw the lady, I could tell she was now at, at, at the top of her, she was, she was angry. So she turned her car quick to follow the little boys. And as she went up to the little boys, I seen her roll down the window. And I decided I better follow her. So I turned my car and I came right behind her because in my mind, I said to myself, no, this wouldn't be a good day for an adult to abuse these two little kids. And so whatever she said out the window, she said it and I couldn't hear it, but she said it and she was angry and she sped off and I started to chase her just to have a little just a little check in. But I didn't have to. Because one of the little boys tickled me to death. Sorry to say this. He gave her the finger. <laughs> I bust out laughing. I said, go for it, my little friend. Go for it. My friends, this morning as I looked at that, my initial reaction was to go and help my two little friends who did not know me somewhere in your life. You've got to see your two little friends who are walking and maybe in some type of endangerment. You must follow them. You must walk behind them until you can become a part of their, oh, I wish I had a witness in this place, until you can become a brother to brother, a sister to sister. That's the antidote for fear. Dr. King at his funeral, and I close. Dr. King at his funeral, a song was sung by Mahalia Jackson, that great songstress, black and beautiful voice, Mahalia Jackson. She went up to the mic at King's funeral, and she sung that Negro hymn that says, if I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or a song, if I can show somebody that he's traveling wrong, then my living shall not be in vain. If I can do my duty as a good man ought, if I can bring back beauty to a world upwrought, if I can spread love's message, as the master taught, then my living has not been in vain. Fear is a liar. Abnormal fear is destructive. And I pray as we hear this song, Fear is a Liar, you listen to its words and feel that today is the day whatever I have thought would overcome me. I have a God who calls me to love even my enemies because by loving my enemy, there's a possibility that they themselves will be transformed into the likeness of God. Amen.